Let's go to 1 Corinthians chapter 10. We're going to be speaking today about overcoming temptation. This session and next week we'll record them so you can access them on the the podcast player under the church name. Overcoming Temptation, 1 Corinthians 10, verse 12 and 13. 1 Corinthians 10, verses 12 and 13. Hello, hello. It says in 1 Corinthians 10, verses 12 and 13, Wherefore, let him that thinketh he standeth take heed, lest he fall. There hath no temptation taken you, but such as is common to man. But God is faithful, who will not suffer you to be tempted above that ye are able, but will with the temptation also make a way to escape, that ye may be able to bear it. why this is not working. Why it worked a moment ago. Andre, would you fiddle with it for me, please? There might be a wire going into the receiver box, potentially. Okay, let's use... Ah, oh, there it is. Look at that. Man, it's got the touch. Thank you, brother. Appreciate that. He obviously prayed this morning. Prayed, what a blessing. Overcoming temptation. We have a couple of points we're going to cover this morning. You can see them up on the screen. We talked last week about walking in the Spirit, yield to God's Word and God's guidance. All right. So if we are, if we are stubborn about doing things our way, we're going to leave ourselves open to temptation. Okay. The joy and the peace come from God. And if we, um, just like the sound system just here, right? Everything's hooked up except for one little thing. There was something that wasn't quite plugged in all the way. And it just took one little adjustment and now everything works fine. Oftentimes in our life we fall to temptation because there is a kink in the connection between us and God. And oftentimes that kink or that disconnection is self-will. We are trying to do things our way. We don't want to listen to God. We don't want to make a change. We don't want to get rid of something. And sometimes it can be something completely unconnected to what we're, to what we're doing. 
Um, just by way of illustration, let's go to let's go to First uh, Samuel in our Bibles. First Samuel. Chapter number 18. Now this is about King Saul. He was the king. The first king. Okay? And then there was another guy, younger guy. He just killed Goliath. What was his name, students? David. There we go. Making sure that we're listening. All right. So David killed Goliath, chapter 17, very famous story, amazing story. Chapter 18, verse 1, it came to pass when he had made an end of speaking unto Saul that the soul of Jonathan was knit with the soul of David, and Jonathan loved him as his own soul. Now let's go down and let's go to verse number um, verse number 5. And David went out where the servant Saul sent him. So he was a servant to the, to the king. Hey, David's the hero, Saul's the king. He says, and behaved himself wisely. And Saul set him over the men of war, and he was accepted in the sight of all the people and also in the sight of Saul's servants. And it came to pass as they came, when David was returned from the slaughter of the Philistine, that the women came out of all the cities of Israel singing and dancing to meet King Saul with tabrets of joy and with instruments of music. And the women answered one another as they played and said, Saul has slain his thousands and David is ten thousands. Whoa. You think that's what Saul wants to hear? So who are they saying is the better guy? David, David the young kid, right? Uh, but who's the king? Saul's the king, right? Verse eight, Saul was very wroth. What does wroth mean? He was angry. Okay, now we're gonna see him do some things here and some outbursts. There's a reason for the outburst, but it's not publicly known per se. Right? There's a reason why Saul is not enjoying the peace of God, the joy of God. David has peace. Right? David has the joy of the Lord. But Saul doesn't. Saul was very wroth and saying, and the saying displeased him, and he said, They have ascribed unto David ten thousands, and to me they have ascribed but thousands. What can he have more but the kingdom? And Saul eyed David from that day and forward. And it came to pass on the morrow that the evil spirit from God came upon Saul. And he prophesied in the midst of the house and David played with his hand as at other times. And there was a javelin in Saul's hand. Beware of people who walk around with javelins in their hands. You know what a javelin is? What's a javelin? It's a spear. Okay, not like the fancy kind they use at the Olympics to see how far you can throw it. Like this is the kind meant to kill people. A dart, a javelin. Uh, sometimes people do that with their words, right? Why do people use their words as javelins to hurt others? Is it really that other person's fault? Was it really David's fault that the women were singing those songs? Did he hand them the lyrics and say, hey, make sure you sing this song when Saul's, because I'm really wanting to make him mad. Was David looking to be the next king? No. 
Who's the one that anointed David to be the next king? Samuel. But who told Samuel to anoint him? Okay. Was that before or after Saul disobeyed God and lost the kingdom? It was after. So Saul messed up, right? David gets anointed. David kills Goliath. Now Saul knows God's already told him. He doesn't have a good relationship with God. He's still the king and he thinks I'm the king. I should be able to do what I want. You see that attitude? Is that an attitude of peace or is he wanting to be the king? You see, oftentimes when we fall to temptation, why are you throwing javelins? Well, because you're mad about what you did years ago to God. You never got right with God. And you're angry at God. He talks about God sending an evil spirit to Saul. What does that mean? That means that God is giving Saul the consequences for his prideful heart. He's bringing that upon himself. God does not give us peace if we are living in disobedience to him. If we are walking contrary to him, if we are not repentant, if we're not truly getting our heart right with God. Remember when David sinned against God in Psalm 51? Psalm 51 is is a whole psalm of repentance. Okay, we'll look at that in just a moment. But look here, it says in verse 11, 1 Samuel 18, verse 11, and Samuel cast the javelin, for he said, I will smite David even to the wall with it. And David avoided out of his presence twice. And look at this, verse 12. Now, what are we seeing with Saul? Like, what are the visible things that we're seeing? What's the evidence that something's not right? What are we saying? Somebody say it. He was, okay, but we don't know that. That's what the Bible says. Braden. He's acting irrationally. Is he acting with, with, with irrational anger? How is he doing this? With his words and with a javelin. Now he's the king. Is anybody really going to say anything to him? Hey, bro. No, he's the king. Because you're next. If you're going to tell him you need to calm down, he's got a javelin in his hand. There's so many people that walk around like this. (laughs) Right? They're miserable. Angry. They don't have any friends. They're really lonely. It can all be traced back to, according to this story, he was what? He was afraid. Afraid of what? What was he afraid of? That somebody was going to take his throne. But whose fault was it really that the throne was taken away? It was his fault. Did he make it right with God? No. So because he didn't get the, the first thing right with God, now he is so susceptible and open and vulnerable and weak like a baby to all of these other temptations. He should have been proud that David was a part of his kingdom and then he had such an amazing warrior in his kingdom. It's amazing what we do to people. It's amazing what we can do to people that we perceive as a threat. They seem to know a little bit more than us. 
They seem to have a little bit more of an advantage in us. Oh, here's this new guy at work and he seems like, oh man, here's the new girl at work and she's smart and she's got an extra degree that I don't have and she's pretty and she's, you know, everybody's looking at her. And so because my confidence is taking a hit, I'm gonna try to sneak around the back and try to figure out how to make sure that she loses. Does that happen at work? I'm not suggesting you do that. I'm suggesting, does it happen in workplaces? Of course. Instead of saying, no, my heart's right with God. I'm trusting in him that he's given me this position. The throne came from God. Is that true? Is that true? That's true. So if God says, you know what? I'm going to move you out of the throne. I'm going to move you somewhere else. The trusting Christian, the one in faith, the one that has a relationship with God says, God, if that's your will, that's okay. But the Christian that says, this is my throne. It's not God's throne. It's my throne. He fights against God. He fights against anybody that perceives as a threat. Humility is key. Walking in the spirit in the New Testament age. Notice it says, it says in verse 12, and Saul was afraid of David. Why? Because the Lord was with him. That kind of is teaching us the Lord wasn't with Saul. He could have been, but he wasn't. Whose fault was that? Is that God's fault? No, it was Saul's fault. Saul's the one that chose that lifestyle. Right? What do we do if people cast javelins at us? Notice we can learn from both sides here. Well, we can do like David. Do right. Do right. Do right till the stars fall. Do right. Who said that? Famous preacher from back in the day. John R. Rice. John R. Rice said, do right till the stars fall. Do right. Well, I have an excuse to act badly. I have an excuse to go find a whole bunch of javelins on my own. Oh, yeah? You want to play this game, King Saul? Let's go. Is that what he did? By the way, who's the one that just killed a giant with a sling? You really want to start throwing javelins at that guy? Does that sound like a good idea? Because if he wanted to, you could be the next Goliath. Right? If his heart wasn't right with God, very much so. Is that true? For sure. But look at verse number 14. David behaved himself wisely in all his ways. And the Lord was with him. You need to walk in the spirit. Yield to God's word and God's guidance. If you're going through a fight, don't start fighting God. If you're going through a difficulty, don't start fighting him. Pastor, I need help. Pastor, I need counseling. I promise you, if you come to me and ask for counseling, this is the number one question I will ask you. It doesn't matter what you're struggling with. It doesn't matter what you're struggling with. It doesn't matter what you're struggling with. Humble yourselves in the sight of the Lord and he will lift you up. Are you saved? Yes or no? That would be the question. Pastor, I want some counseling. 
marriage problem, job problem, problem with kids, problems with the past, problems with this, problem with that. Are you saved? Why? Because God is the one that's going to help you. If you go to a secular counselor, are they going to help you? Maybe. Maybe a little, but you know what they're going to do? They're going to, they're going to identify some problems that, they, that you see. By the way, here's, here's, another, here's another thing that secular, secular counselors cannot see your heart. They, don't, they can only go off of what you're telling them. And, and let's be honest, we always tell the story so that we are pretty much okay. But God's word knows our hearts. God will tell us things that we need to hear, but we don't want to hear. God will tell you, yeah, you are the victim, but here's the right way to act. Or he will say, no, Saul, you're the victimizer. You're the one that's wrong. Right? For sure. What did David do? He behaved himself wisely. He made sure that his walk with the Lord was right. Are you saved and are you walking with God? Tell me about your walk with God. Are you praying about this or are you just getting mad? Are you reading your Bible or are you, how much time are you spending Googling these questions and watching YouTubes about this question? How much time are you spending on Facebook? By the way, I don't have any idea of any problem going in anybody's life. That's why I'm not on Facebook looking at all your accounts. I don't want to know. I don't want, because the thing is, if I put it in my brain, it's going to come out in a sermon, and that's not fair to you. So I don't follow anybody on social, right? Because the next sermon would be, this is Andre's problem. And the next sermon series would be, this is Dan's problem. And Chloe, this is our first Sunday back. Guess what, Chloe? The sermon's about you. No, that's not fair. I can't do that. Right? But the question we all have to ask ourselves is, man, I'm falling to this temptation every time. Look, for example, in Saul's, he's throwing javelins. That's his problem. Man, I got to quit the temptation of throwing javelins every time I get mad. God, please help me not throw javelins at David. And he didn't do that. But if he did, what would God tell him? You need to get your heart right back way over here when you thought that this was your throne and you could do things the way you wanted to do it. When I told you to do something and you didn't do it, it comes back to a point of humility. Hey, prideful people throw javelins to solve their problems. Humble people trust that God's going to take care of the javelin thrower. Don't go javelin shopping, hey? As soon as a javelin goes whistling past our head, we think, no, I'm going to go shopping for javelins. They're going to be bigger, stronger, sharper. I'm going to go to javelin school (laughs) and I'm going to learn how to fling those javelins harder and faster and quicker than anybody can. That's what we think in the flesh. But God's ways are not our ways. His thoughts are above our thoughts. Overcoming temptation. Hey, lust, there's a, look, it's not just overcoming lust. It's not just watch, stop watching porn. I mean, look, it's, it's like a mindset. Some guys are, they torment themselves because they cannot have a clean thought. 
They cannot. Why? Well, let's go back to your walk with God. Yeah, you need to confess that, but there may be something back here, a matter of pride, where I'm in charge of my life. I'm not going to let you have that. I'm not going to let you tell me what to do. This is my life. Well, but God says in 1 Corinthians 6, you've been bought with a price. You're not your own. Yeah? Know what it says? Therefore, glorify God in your body and in your spirit. My body. No, if you're saved, it's his body. Well, it's not. Oh, here, here's, here's a big one that the world loves. It's not hurting anybody. It's hurting him. Glorify God in your body and in your spirit, which are God's. Right? So the first question we have to ask ourselves is, am I walking in the spirit? Am I humble? Have I given myself over? Have I, have, have I surrendered to the Lordship of Christ? I want to stop doing this behavior. I want to stop casting javelins because it hurts people. And people are looking at me funny. And nobody wants to come into my, and nobody wants to be around me. Why? Because when you get upset, you throw javelins. You, hey, you bring up things that somebody did from years ago. You always have an arsenal. You always remember everything. Oh yeah, well what about that thing you said 25 years ago? Is there a thing about forgiveness or not? Do we forgive? When you're around a javelin thrower, you always gotta be ready. Like we walk around like it's the old west and we're always got an itchy finger and we're always just looking at, you know those old cowboy movies? You're always just, I don't like the way you're looking at me. (laughs) Seriously? Seriously, you, you know what? I think you're looking for a fight. I think you're trying to show everybody that you're quick on the trigger until you find somebody that's a little bit quicker than you. What a miserable way to live. What a miserable way to live. David behaved himself wisely in all his ways and the Lord is with him. Wherefore, when Saul saw that he behaved himself very wisely. He was afraid of him. But all Israel and Judah loved David because he went out and came in before them. Psalm 51, let's look at this before we move on to the next point. Psalm 51. David didn't always do things right. He finally got the throne because God gave it to him. And he was doing well for a number of years. But then he got big for his britches. That's the way my mom would say when I was a little kid. I don't know what that means. But it means that you're acting with more authority than what you actually have. The throne belonged to God. The nation of Israel was God's nation. David was just a servant that was serving God. Okay? If we're sitting there and we we see, listen, we see every problem that comes our way as a threat to our position then everybody is a fly and all you have is a fly swatter. That's not what a servant does. That's what King Saul does. Every problem needs to be killed with a javelin. You do that again, I'm cutting you out of my life. Again, that's what this world does. You step a little bit outside with one of your social posts 
And what do they do? You're canceled. That's the over. And that's why everybody's looking at each other, singing the same. It's so funny. My kids, little kids do this. It's so fun to watch. I love it. They make up songs all the time. Little kiddos. And it's great. It's awesome. Savannah usually is the song leader, right? Older sister. Older sisters. Man. What a blessing and what a curse sometimes. Hey, fellas? No, I'm just kidding. I'm just kidding. I'm just teasing, right? I'm just giving you a hard time telling um, I have an older sister, right? So older, okay, so Savannah, the older sister, she, she makes up the song. Well, Marcus doesn't know the song because she just made it up. So she's trying to sing this song and, and, all, and uh, Oliver, Marcus, that's my dog, <laughs> but uh, Marcus, Oliver too. Marcus is like, and he's trying to sing the words and the tune, but she just made it up and maybe they're just singing it now for the second ta- time, right? And, and that's what the world does with this social media, uh, social justice, social media, uh, what's the other terminology they use? Uh, uh, the the uh, uh, whatever it is, yeah. They're constantly looking and saying, okay, I, every, every day they go on social and find out the newest thing. And, oh, no, I got to buy a new, I got to buy a new flag. And now it's Ukraine. And now it's, now it's an all black flag. And now it's an all orange flag. And, oh, man, I need to get in the flag making business. That's where you make the money. <laughs> me too, me too, me too, me too, me too. What are they saying? Don't cancel me. Don't throw javelins at me. Is that a peaceful way to live? God doesn't do that to us. His word does not change from day to day, my friends. And if we all agree by God's grace alone, we believe this. Yeah, we're going to mess up, but God teaches us, listen, not to cancel one another, but to pray for one another, to behave ourselves wisely. To go to him for grace to help restore that fallen brother or sister. That's what God wants us to do. Not to cancel one another constantly. Good grief. But David fell. And what does he say in Psalm 51? He says in verse number 10, create in me a clean heart, O God, and renew a right spirit within me. Cast me not away from thy presence and take not thy Holy Spirit from me. Oh, look at verse number 12, my friends. Restore unto me the joy of thy salvation and uphold me with thy free spirit. You realize that you can have javelins being cast at you and still live joyfully? It doesn't mean that God doesn't love you. It means that God loves you enough to allow you to be in a situation to teach you that the truth is more powerful than a javelin. The truth of walking with God can give you a joy even though you're dodging javelins at work. Mm -hmm. We need to walk in the spirit. We need to yield to God's word and God's guidance. The next point that we need, everyone faces temptation. You may ask, where does temptation come from? 
Who's responsible? There are a couple of answers. Temptation comes from the outside as well as from within. We have both external foes and internal foes. When you became a Christian, you joined the enemy army, meaning now you're on God's side. Satan's not okay with that. Okay? He did not want you coming to Christ in the first place, and he did everything in his power to keep you from it. But having failed in that, he has another strategy that though not as desirable as keeping the person from faith, it is almost as effective. The devil wants to immobilize you. He wants to make you ineffective in this new Christian life, paralyzed by guilt or shame. The way he he will begin this attack is through temptation. He has been sizing you up for some time now, and he will hit you where you are potentially weak and vulnerable you will find that temptations are very personal. He will not necessarily tempt me in the same way he will tempt you because I do not have exactly the same weaknesses perhaps as you do and vice versa. Temptations are often also perfectly timed. When you are at your weakest, when you are discouraged, when you are tired, when you are frustrated, When you are sad, that's when Satan strikes you with the temptation to which you may be most vulnerable. History tells us that when Hitler invaded Europe during the early years of World War II, in almost every situation, he attacked on a weekend. Hitler knew that the various governments would not be in session, making it more difficult to react swiftly to an invasion. In the same way, our enemy, the devil, also waits for an opportune time to attack. By the way, when the Japanese, Imperial Japanese, uh, uh, bombed Pearl Harbor, do we know what day of the week it was? Sunday morning. What's the point? The point is that even in warfare amongst nations, we always look for the weakest. Satan does the same thing to us. When we're tired, discouraged, frustrated, disappointed, sad, okay? We may not be able to control the situation that makes us feel those emotions. Feeling discouraged is not a sin until because you're feeling down and because you're feeling sad and because you're feeling discouraged. Remember, many of the Psalms, David was discouraged, but what did he do in that discouragement? He went to the Lord in faith. Instead of choosing the temptation to go and do something that was genuinely sinful, turning away from God, trying to fix the problem himself, Many times when people are lonely and they're sad and they're discouraged and things aren't working out, that is when the devil places before them a temptation to go out and find a loose guy or girl to have sex with or to get on and look at the porn or to go and buy that alcohol or to go and get some weed. And then then all of a sudden it's just like, and you, you tell yourself, well, The devil will give you these little temptations. Well, if God really loved me, I wouldn't feel like this and this wouldn't be this bad. No, 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 my friend. We live in a broken world. 
Bad things happen. There are bad people out there. This is an opportunity in that moment when you're feeling those things to either turn in faith or turn in doubt and go into the sin of whatever the devil is tempting you. They said that, so I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to say this. I know some dirt on that person. I know this story. I know something about them. And because they said that to me, I'm going to spread this all over about them. Really? Is that, what the God, is that what the Lord does? Is that how he wants us to act? You mean, you, just, you mean, you mean, you mean, you mean, you mean. Calm down. Take a breath. You mean I'm just supposed to take it? No. You're supposed to take it and give it to God. Yeah. Oftentimes when, when somebody does something to us, we think it's like, you know, they just, they just threw a baseball at us and it bounced off our chest and we're going to pick it up and throw it back. But it's really more like gunshots or it's like kapow or biblically arrows. Well, look, you're, that's not the way it works. You're wounded. You've just absorbed a, a deathly blow. I mean, man, if you're pulling arrows out of yourself and shooting them back, wow. Wow. Huh. Only in the movies, right? Pull the knife out. Spit out the blood. The only way to truly heal is to forgive. Oh, we don't want to hear that. But it's true. The only way to truly heal is to forgive. That person hurt me. I understand that. We've all been hurt. You will be hurt. It's going to happen. We live in a broken world. But the way, listen, the way to go forward and the way to heal is not to, because you, listen, when that person hurts you, you didn't choose that. And those feelings that come from betrayal, the feelings that come from those words or the feelings that come, it's not a sin to feel those things. It's a sin when you choose to sit in there and then the devil, because of those feelings, offers you a temptation. And be, listen, listen very carefully. Because of the pain that what happened, you feel justified in choosing the sin because Satan makes it, makes it sound as if that sin is going to make you feel better. at Proverbs chapter 7. Don't you deserve to feel better? Isn't it funny how he always starts with don't you deserve? Don't you deserve to feel better? Well, there's a right way to feel better and there's a wrong way. The wrong way is to fall to the temptation, make your life that much more complicated have that sin come between you and God. And then on top of that, you feel guilt and shame because you did it, which in your mind draws you even further away from God. And that's exactly what he's hoping for. 
He's looking for a Sunday morning bombing. He's looking for when you're lazy and you're tired and you're weak. It's always amazing to me. Let me just put this in there. It's always amazing to me when people say, oh, pastor, I'm going to go on vacation for a couple of weeks. I'm like, I hope I see you come back to church when you come back. You don't think that. Oh, yes, I do every time. Vacation doesn't mean take a vacation from your walk with God. Take a break from work. Take a break from life. Take a break from routine. Of course, Jesus, the Bible says that Jesus came apart from the crowd and went up into the mountain by himself and went with his disciples and they went to resort towns and they, they did rest. But Jesus didn't take a break from his relationship with the Lord, with, with the Father. Proverbs chapter number seven. This is a big psalm or a proverb about the harlot or about the temptation to sexual sin. Verse seven, and I beheld among the simple ones, I discerned among the youths, a young man void of understanding among the simple ones. Listen, it doesn't mean simple minded as in like they have some kind of mental health problem. They've got some kind of uh, educational disability. Doesn't mean that. This, this could have been the most intelligent young man in, 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 in the country. Simple means they were, he was untrained in wisdom. He did not perceive that temptation was happening and what it was going to cost him. I perceived. He says, uh, I discerned among the youths a young man void of understanding. Passing through the street near her corner, he went the way to her house in the twilight, in the evening, in the black and dark night. And behold, there met him a woman with the attire of a harlot and subtle of heart. Verse 11 and 12 describes her. She is loud and stubborn. Her feet abide not in her house. Now is she without, now in the streets and lieth in wait at every corner. So she caught him and kissed him. And with an impudent face said unto him, I have peace offerings with me this day. Have I paid my vows? Therefore came I forth to meet thee diligently to seek thy face. And I have found thee. I have decked my bed with coverings of tapestry, with carved works, with fine linen of Egypt. I have perfumed my bed with myrrh, aloes, and cinnamon. Come, let us take our fill of love until the morning. Let us solace ourselves with love. What is, he, what, is she, what is part of her temptation? Part of her temptation is come find comfort. Come find comfort and peace. The devil always sells it that way. You're going to feel better if you just let that person have both barrels. Wouldn't you feel better if you just ate that apple? Wouldn't you feel better if you could see David's body pinned to the wall with a couple of javelins? Wouldn't that solve all of your problems? Satan always comes when we're weak and he always sells temptation as rest. But Jesus says, come unto me, all you that labor and are heavy laden, and I will give you rest. I will give you rest. We've got to have that relationship with the Lord. A daily, moment by moment, 
relationship with the Lord. We have to. We have to. The devil is always trying to get us to step away from our relationship with the Lord. Uh, let's look at our first verse and then we'll finish up for today and come back to this next week. We'll look at two more verses, just a minute or two or three at the very most. First Corinthians 10, 12 and 13. <clears throat> Wherefore, let him that thinketh he standeth take heed lest he fall. Okay, be cautious. Be humble, be cautious. We want to flirt. We want to flirt with sin, right? We want to flirt with the temptation. The temptation's there, dangling, 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 right? It's like the fish that just wants to, here's the bait that comes down on the hook, and he just wants to nibble at the bait. Nibble, nibble, nibble. But what happens? Well, eventually he's like, boom. And now it's way back here, way back, way back. Man, I heard this story. This one fish says to another fish. I heard this story. Buddy of mine, man, he's awesome. He's able to recognize, you know, those, those worms that come down? You know, they've got hooks on them. Barbed hooks. And if you swallow them deep, the fisherman, he yanks them. Boy, you're done. You're going to be dinner. But you know, Bob, nobody in here is named Bob. You know, Bob, he told me this story once. He saw that worm come down. He was so slick. He was able to gulp down the worm and the fisherman didn't know he was there. He was so smooth, that line didn't even move a muscle. He couldn't even feel the vibration. And he was able, he was able to gulp down that worm, spit out the hook. Man, that's what I'm talking about. I'm going to go see if I can find me one of those worms. Because I know there's people out there that are, that are eating the fruit of that temptation and nothing bad seems to happen to them. Hello. By the way, if nothing bad happens to them, it's probably because they're not saved. And you don't know the whole story. The sleepless nights, the suicidal thoughts, the hundreds and hundreds of dollars in drugs and alcohol and sneaking and stealing money to keep the habit up just so that you cannot feel the guilt and the shame anymore. I just don't want to feel anything. And you think you can spit the, spit the hook out and just eat the worm. My friend, it doesn't work that way. It just doesn't work that way. I just want to be able to be angry and get it off my chest and let that person have it. And none of the relationships suffer. I'm still having a great life. It doesn't work that way. There's always a hook. And Satan is an amazing fisherman. He knows that for some people, yeah, I'll give them a couple of worms for free. Sure. They won't get caught. He knows exactly. He's a master at timing. Hey, pastor, none of this is making me feel better. Because you're all saying stuff that we shouldn't do. 
But maybe there's something nagging you in the back of your mind and your heart. And you think, I need help. There hath no temptation taken you, but such as is common to man. And here's the hope. God is faithful. God is faithful. Sometimes when we do something and it's become a habit, we think, I can't stop. And even if I tried, there's always tomorrow. God is faithful. God is faithful. God is faithful. Who will not suffer you to be tempted above that ye are able, but will with the temptation also make a way to escape that ye may be able to bear it. And this really is the verse, the highlight of this study. 1 John 1, 9. If we confess our sins, if, if we confess our sins, if we confess our sins, he will not tempt us above that we're able. He is faithful. But notice the same promise is here. 1 John 1, 9. If we confess our sins. Listen, do not resign to the fact that this is just the way your life is going to be. It doesn't have to be this way. God is faithful. God is faithful. Amen. Amen. God is faithful. I'm not. We're not. Some days we're Saul. Some days we're David. Some days we're Psalm 51 David. By the way, with Saul, sometimes he does the wrong thing and he just doesn't care and he hurts other people. Sometimes we're like that, unfortunately. Sometimes we're David, man, wisdom and doing the right thing and it's awesome and we're walking with God and joy and peace and praise hallelujah, everything's amazing, right? And then other times it's like, man, I've fallen down, Psalm 51 time. God, forgive me. God is faithful. He can give you the grace and the strength to resist that temptation. And if we fall, if we confess our sins, he is faithful. Aren't you thankful that in every time it talks about temptation, he's faithful and he's just to forgive us our sins and to cleanse us from all unrighteousness. Well, he can forgive that person for that thing, but he can't forgive me for this. You don't know what I've done. You're right, and I don't want to know, but he already knows, and he's already ready to forgive you and me. Amen. Let's pray. Father, we thank you for your forgiveness. We thank you for your strength that can deliver us from temptation. We thank you for wisdom that can help us avoid the temptation. We thank you for your grace that gives us that forgiveness and gives us the strength to go on and to build a life after we've made some bad choices. Bless the service to follow, we pray in Jesus' name. Amen.